Welcome to the Beyond Intuitive Eating Podcast, hosted by me, Beth Basham. I am a registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor, and liberated body coach. I'm also a wife and mama to two amazing little people. With over 20 years of experience, I help women bridge food freedom with optimal health using principles of intuitive eating, foundations of emotional mastery, functional medicine, and neuroscience. This is the space where you get to end the war with your body and discover total confidence and true health from the inside out. So many people talk about emotional eating these days, and I see coaches in the online space teaching people how to stop emotional eating, but in some cases, I find that they're going about it backwards. Now, per the name of this episode, you'd think I was going to teach you the same. And I am in a sense, but it's likely not going to be what you think. So uh, hang out with me for a few, because if you've ever said to yourself, I wish I wasn't an emotional eater, that's my problem, then this episode is for you. I intend to help you shift this narrative and show you the fastest way to stop emotional eating. So let's go back to what I said about coaches and nutritionists even going about this emotional eating thing backwards. And what I mean by that is so many, including me in the past, I'm human too, they tend to go after the emotional eating as the problem, right? Like if you're an emotional eater, there's something wrong with you. Therefore, we need to fix the problem in you. And that way we fix you as an emotional eater. What I want to suggest here, though, is a shift in perspective. You are not a problem. And in fact, emotional eating is not a problem either. It's not wrong. It's not bad. It doesn't make you less than. In fact, emotional eating is simply a defense that you created at some point in your life to deal with stressors, hard times, to cope with something that was hard to cope with. I had a client a few years ago, and she was really, really stressed out about eating emotionally. She said to me, you know, if I could just get this emotional eating thing under control, then I'd be able to lose weight, get fit, have all the things that I want in my life. And she was really stressed out about it. She saw emotional eating as this huge block in her path to food freedom, to feeling better in her skin, to feeling healthy. Right? She would binge on chips every single night when she came home from work. She'd feel just exhausted right, from the day and just want to turn off, numb out, just be chill and eat her chips. And she said to me, I don't know why, but I can't stop this. It happens every night on repeat. And there's a couple things going on here. Right. And I can't, for the sake of a podcast episode, go into everything. But for her, she was working a really stressful job. Her nervous system, which is something that you're going to hear me talk about in more detail in the future, but her whole system, her body was constantly in this state of fight or flight during the day. Her, her job was just really stressful, really high energy. A lot of people demanded a lot from her. So her system was running on overdrive, right? It was going fast all day long. And she learned how to cope with that high stress. When she came home, she wanted to to regulate herself, regulate her emotions, all the things that had happened during the day, she was looking for a way to cope with them. And over time, literally over years and decades of her life, she discovered food. 
Food was a way to soothe her nervous system, soothe her emotions, and help her cope with what was an extremely stressful job. Okay. And I helped her redefine this by showing her that this was not bad. This was not wrong. In fact, food was all she had when she didn't have any other tools to cope. Do you see? Now, yes, you can think logically, oh, well, I should do other things to relieve stress, like go for a walk, call a friend, smell an essential oil, right? There's all these ways to soothe ourselves that the online space might suggest. And while you think, well, I should do that, when we have gotten into a pattern or when we have learned time over time over time that food is a great coping way to deal with the stressors in our life, to cope with hard feelings or emotions, it becomes the natural and easiest thing to go to. And we as humans like to gravitate to things that are easy and mindless. Our subconscious brain learns over time, okay, this is the thing that keeps me safe. When I eat the food, my system, my emotions feel better, even if temporarily, and I am safe. And that's what her body had learned over years as well. When I sit down after work and I eat these chips, I am safe. It signals the system that you are safe, right? It's actually a pretty amazing system, right? In some studies, it shows that 95% of the actions that we take day to day are all driven by our subconscious mind. And in many cases, emotional eating is no different. This subconscious activity is what allows us to get into a car and drive, you know, from point A to point B with, with, without thinking about it, being able to send a text, though you shouldn't, um, talk to your kids in the backseat, call a friend, turn up the radio, whatever, right? You do all of these things effortlessly as you're pushing the pedal to brake, as you're pushing the accelerator to go faster, you're stopping for stop signs, you get there safely because your subconscious has learned how to do so over time through repetition. And it's no different for so many who, quote unquote, suffer from emotional eating. It's literally just something that we've learned. It's an ingrained habit, if you want to think about it that way. And we can neutralize the power of this. There's nothing wrong with you if you eat emotionally. In fact, It's kind of cool. It's a blessing, a gift. Your body has learned to cope with stress in a really, really cool way. Maybe not so cool over time though, right? You're saying to yourself, but Beth, I don't want to eat emotionally. I feel sick after I do. I feel overstuffed. I don't want to eat my dinner, which, you know, had those more nourishing foods that I know make me feel better. And I hear you. I am here with you and I get it. I want you to shift that if that's what you need, but I first want you to neutralize the power of this term, emotional eating. Emotional eating doesn't have to be wrong. Emotional eating is just one of the tools in your toolbox that you have learned to use when you are stressed, when you are overstimulated or understimulated, and you need to recalibrate or regulate your emotions. It's not a problem. It's a defense you created at some point in your life, and there's no problem with that. This in and of itself, this idea, this concept that there's nothing wrong with emotional eating, and if you can start to become aware of the negative self-chatter that pops up you know, after you finish 
eating the foods after an emotional eating episode, right? And you start to be aware of maybe some of the negative thoughts or spirals of thinking that pop in like, oh my God, I did it again. Are you serious? See, I have no willpower. No wonder I fail at all of those wonderful eating plans I tried. I'm going to be like this forever. There's no changing me. I'm a failure, right? Those are just a few examples and you can insert what's ever coming up for you. But when we see that negative self-talk, that critical voice pop in after emotional eating, all we have to do, and I know this sounds way simple, (laughs) and sometimes when things are simple, we don't do them because we're like, things have to be complicated to be fixed, right? We overcomplicate. But really, all we have to do is become aware with this and say, you know, I'm emotionally eating again. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Let's get curious about that. My body, my emotional system, my nervous system is just using this as a tool to cope. I wonder what could be going on here. Okay. And look, all these negative thoughts are popping in. Isn't that interesting? Right. Do you notice how I'm shifting from that kind of automatic critical voice to a more gentle, a more kind and compassionate, curious voice? That's it. We don't even have to have an answer, right? You might not know why you're eating emotionally. You may not have yet discovered what the trigger or the activator is for the emotional eating pattern. But when we shift that narrative to a more compassionate, kind voice, we start to allow the answers to flow in. We start to regulate the nervous system with compassion and understanding rather than just saying, oh, there's something wrong with me. There's a problem here. We can shift and say, you know what? There's not a problem. This is information. And I get to look at that through the lens of curiosity and the answers will come, right? And for so many women that I've worked with, literally this one simple thing changes it all. They start to see emotional eating as a coping mechanism rather than a problem. That's enough to actually shift the entire the entire emotional eating episode, right? And it might not happen overnight, but over time, you know, just like it takes you several weeks to learn how to ride a bike when you're young, it's going to take some time to unlearn, you know, some of the negative thinking or some of the activation that comes up that leads to the emotional eating moment, right? So can you, and in this moment, just look at, hmm, what have I been thinking about emotional eating? Have I been seeing it as a problem? Do I see myself as a problem? And am I willing to start to shift that? I hope the answer is yes. But here's another idea for you. A lot of my emotional eaters also find a lot of benefit from getting out ahead of it. So like in the example that I shared about my client, she was eating the chips after dinner. I'm sorry, before dinner, after she got home from work, right? And this became a habit. It was just subconsciously driven, but she did see it as a problem, right? And when she discovered that it was no longer a problem and she had other resources and other things she could do to deal with and cope with the stress at work, she discovered that the emotional eating dissipated. It literally disappeared. There was no longer a need to eat the bag of chips after work because she worked on ways to regulate herself and her emotions throughout the entire day. 
She learned to set boundaries at work. She learned to go for a walk over her lunch break. She did lots of things proactively to support herself. So when she came home, she didn't feel like she had to just pour herself into that bag of chips to regulate herself, to feel better, right? And again, if she did, which did happen in our course of time, she'd be better for a couple of weeks, then she'd have a what she called an emotional binge. And instead of making it mean something about her or her progress, we just looked at it together through that lens of curiosity and said, you know, how else could we have supported you throughout the day or the week? And sometimes, you know, life happens. I, I tell my clients all the time and myself, life is lifing on us, right? Maybe somebody passes away. Maybe somebody, you know, gets hurt and there's an emergency. Those stresses are things that we cannot prevent. And no amount of self-care in the form of going for a walk or calling a friend is going to do a thing for us. And heck, we might eat emotionally. And guess what? Full permission that that is completely okay. There is nothing wrong with you. As an intuitive eater for the past, I don't know, 12, 15 years now, I still eat emotionally from time to time. You know, as a human on this planet, I have life lifing on me. And there's moments I walk to the pantry, especially when I'm thinking up a podcast idea. Hmm, what should I talk about today? I'm bored. Let me go walk into the pantry and eat something. I mean, you can see that as emotional eating, right? Maybe. Um, but it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. I might not be entirely hungry, but I still eat because it's a way to stimulate my system or avoid. And the work here is not to say, oh, gosh, I'm a bad person because I you know, went to the pantry when I wasn't hungry and I ate the thing and oh, woe is me. That used to be me. Don't, you know, don't believe that that wasn't at one point time. But now when I do this, I, I notice, oh, look at this. I'm sitting in the pantry eating these crackers. I'm not even hungry. Hmm. I wonder what else I need right now. And that's the most powerful question that we can ask ourselves. Huh. Look at this. What's going on? What do I actually need right now? And the answer will vary. But if I shut my eyes, put my hand on my heart, oftentimes an answer will come. So Let's go into this idea of heart-centered breathing. And the reason I bring this up is because when we're discovering what is activating our emotional eating episodes, I have learned that there are specific tools and I have an enormous tool bag (laughs) that I can share with you, but I want to share one tool with you called heart-centered breathing, as I mentioned, that my clients have especially enjoyed. And They enjoy it for a couple of reasons, but one of the main reasons they love this tool to help support them with emotional eating is because it is so easy and it takes less than a minute. And if you decide you like this tool, you can practice it actually throughout your day to regulate your emotions all day long. So in the heat of the moment, when the emotional eating episode is most common, and for so many women I talk to, it's in the evening after a long day, they discover that, oh, if I do this regularly throughout the day in these short little bursts, my system is more regulated. I'm able to step into that curious mindset, that more compassionate mindset when things come up for me. And this tool, because it takes a little time, it can really, really support them. So what is heart-centered breathing? 
Okay, heart-centered breathing is one of my favorite tools because it's actually not only easy and fast and simple, but it's also evidence-based. I'm trained as, and I don't mention this in my bio, but I have training um, in heart math, right? I've completed a professional training for healthcare uh, providers in heart math. If you head over to heartmath.org, you'll know what I'm talking about. There's a huge field of evidence and a nonprofit that studies this amazing energy that shows up in our heart. Okay, and I'm not going to go into it so much. I just want to give you this practical application, but there's a lot that goes on in our heart energy that helps regulate our system, our emotions included. And it's an area of the body, unlike the brain, that can have a tremendous effect on the entire physiology of the body. So you know this because you feel stuff in your heart from time to time. And if you don't, you're going to learn how to do that right now. Okay, so our heart contains electromagnetic energy that extends out from our body in some estimates 10 feet and beyond. Now, by comparison, our brain has electromagnetic, uh, electromagnetic energy that extends only a few inches. Okay, so we have a lot of energy in the heart, and it's such a beautiful place to focus. You'll notice a lot of yogis and meditators, they, they do a lot of meditation around the heart, and there's good reason, and there's evidence, literally research evidence that this area of the body is powerful. So heart-centered breathing is so simple, and you can do it with me right now, assuming you're not driving or in a place with distraction, but if you can, just go ahead and put your hand on your heart, shut your eyes, and I just want you to start breathing. Just a normal cadence that's comfortable for you, nothing extreme. Notice the sensation going on in your body, if that's available to you, and then slowly with time, start to deepen your breath, lengthening the inhale and the exhale, bringing your focus and your attention into the area of the heart now. And just continue breathing here in and out. You can even do this if you're driving. You just don't close your eyes. And maybe not put your hand on your heart, right? But just breathe here for a few moments. All you need is about four to six breaths. And then when you're done, you can simply open your eyes and notice, be aware of, don't expect change to happen right away, but just be aware of how do I feel? Does your emotional state feel a little more chill, right? When we practice this heart-centered breathing occasionally throughout the day. And heartmath.org recommends 10 times a day, which can feel like a lot, (laughs) but just start with a couple, right? You don't need to force yourself into anything here, but just do it a couple times a day or maybe right before you get home and that emotional binge starts to set in and just notice how it may or may not support you. There's not a right or wrong answer here, but the idea is that heart-centered breathing is a way to regulate our system, help us feel more control over our emotions, if that's such a thing. And so I invite you to try it. Now, of course, there's other tools we can also try if heart-centered breathing isn't for you. And believe me, I have clients who would much rather do other things, and that's completely fine. But heart-centered breathing is such a great and easy way to start. 
And it's such a, a, a fast way to start as well. It doesn't require a course like I took, although I'm glad I took that course to understand the evidence behind heart-centered breathing. I'm also, you know, knowing that I didn't have to take that course. I can do it and I can feel and experience it, right? And a lot of the work that we do to liberate ourselves from the obsessive food thoughts, to feel happier and more joyful in our body is not about what we eat. It's about how we relate to our inner world. And heart-centered breathing helps us become a little bit more connected to that inner world, right? It's a somatic or body sensation exercise to help us get more in touch. So many of us have been living in our headspace. We've been living up between the ears, all these thoughts bouncing around all day long. Heart-centered breathing helps us drop down, drop down into the heart, get away from the mental chatter, and really reconnect to our body, which is such a profound opportunity when we're doing this together. All right, so many people eat, right, to avoid their feelings. Heart-centered breathing is a gentle and safe way to start to feel maybe a few of those feelings again. And we don't want to do this in a way that feels unsafe or overwhelming. We have to move at a pace that's comfortable for us. So if you notice yourself feeling panicked when you put your hand on your heart and close your eyes, that's okay. Be aware of that and see if you can be with that panic for just a moment longer. Again, there's nothing there's nothing that's a problem here. That's nothing that needs to be fixed. These are just opportunities for you to deepen your awareness so that you can quote unquote cure or um, <laughs> overcome emotional eating more quickly. So I hope that today's episode was helpful for you. In this episode, I intended to help you explore and redefine what emotional eating even is. What are you making it mean about you? I'm also suggesting that you get out of out ahead of it by thinking about the activators or the things that are leading to those emotional eating episodes. And if emotional eating isn't the problem, then what are other things that you can do throughout your day to support yourself so that eating to soothe or cope with your emotions becomes less of a necessity? And lastly, I offered a tip and tool around heart-centered breathing, one of my favorite ways to regulate our emotions in the heat of the moment or beforehand. So if you have any questions, I always love my listeners' feedback. You can email me at beth at bethbasham.com or find more information in the show notes. Until next time, I hope you have an awesome day. Thank you so much for listening in today. I am so grateful. If you enjoyed this podcast, I ask that you share it with a friend who might also benefit. And if you want even more support on your food and body journey, please check the show notes for information about my free Facebook group and private coaching opportunities. See you next time.